1: Welcome to Overdue. My name is Andrew.
0: My name isn't Craig because someone stole my identity, I think. I live oh, in no. Tex I live in Texas now and I eat at Chuck E. Cheese all the time.
1: This this is a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read, but I regret to inform you all that Craig does not exist anymore. Somebody took his bank card information and spent a lot of money. At places where Craig barely goes at all, like Chuck E. Cheese.
0: Yeah, so we're going to be talking about *The Secret Garden* by Frances uh, Hodgson Burnett. That's right. That's her name, right? Her I don't name. know anything about don't names wear it anymore. Out. <laughs> um, because that's the book that I read. But yeah, so what makes it hard is that like I was, I did spend the last two weekends out of town. So like, I think somewhere on the highway to Connecticut last weekend someone must have got my thing sure right cuz now i'm looking at my bank account and like someone ate at a restaurant called Lubby's in Texas like uh-huh. a week or so ago
1: <laughs> wait hold on i got to google this keep going
0: L U B Y they oh, they run the cheeseburger in paradise maybe it's, franchise maybe Lubby's i don't know i'm just going to call it Lubby's cuz i hate it and then um Welcome to Lubies. They also oh, man. they filled the air in their tires. Um that's a good way to check if a card I is just, valid. I... <laughs> uh they my I love
1: I just love all this stuff. It's like they didn't go on Amazon and order like a hundred TVs or something. They didn't try to buy no. like an iPhone seven plus or like any of that stuff. They bought such mundane stuff. They just which wanted makes me feel an like allowance. Maybe they earned it a little bit like maybe don't dispute all the charges because like, you know, they got you. They got you good. They did get me. I mean, I'm so going you, get... to you buy
0: them lunch at Lubies. <laughs> I'm going to get my fifty three dollars and forty five cents back from Chuck E. Cheese. Andrew. I'm gonna so get now, my nine dollars <laughs> and eighty three cents from Church's Chicken. I'm What's gonna... it like
1: to call the the bank and be like, "Yeah, the Chuck E. Cheese in Chicago that was totally me, but the one in Texas <laughs> is fraud."
0: He, d- it's kind of, it's really kind of embarrassing when you're like, "Okay, I did spend." Hold on, sir. I need to make sure that that Domino's I paid for today, which was really one in the morning because I was drunk. Yep, that was me. But no, I did not tried to go to the showbiz movie theater in texas on the same day that's not (laughs) that wasn't me it didn't happen or was it no i did not spend three dollars at a red box what did he rent what did he rent andrew what
1: what a busy day for this this person like they take they steal a credit card they get air in their tires (laughs) they go to chuck e cheese they go to lubies they go to a movie They go to a movie, and then like on on the way home, they rent a red box, (laughs) and they go home, and they fall asleep in front of it while eating the doggy bag that they took home from Chuck E. Cheese.
0: God, I'm so upset. Also- I am not
1: upset. I'm delighted that this happened to you. Also,
0: there's something on my (laughs) card that just says, for $2, Coca-Cola Glenbrook Houston. What is that?
1: That means they uh, grabbed a Coke out of one of those vending machines that takes credit cards.
0: Oh,
1: did you know that that's like one of the only places that I've ever used my Apple watch to do a a wireless payment?
0: Now I wish I had a secure Apple watch <laughs> okay. let's thanks Apple pay. Let's do the podcast next let's week. I'll be a different podcast. person. It's fine,
1: okay. so what when you're not getting when you're not buying things that from Charles Cheese in <laughs> Texas, you're reading The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett. Yes, that's true. What do you want to talk
0: about? Well, we're going to talk about the book uh, a little bit later. We should talk about the author first. She was born in 1849, uh, died in 1924.
1: And let me just say that Uh she is pretty cool. She's a cool lady. (laughs)
0: Okay. Do you need to take the lead here or... Well, I mean, you just you tell
1: me what you you know, and then I'll fill in the Please. coolest facts. Okay, I will cherry pick all the coolest facts, and you put in like that mundane stuff.
0: Okay, because while I was on hold with the bank, I was jotting down an outline of this woman's life. Because mm-hmm. podcasts, so mm-hmm. her three most famous books are *The Secret Garden*, *Little Lord Fauntleroy*, and *A Little Princess*. Um, <laughs> it's worth noting that *Secret Garden* was not really like canonized in her work wasn't as highly regarded because it was marketed to both adults and kids.
1: Little Lord Faunt, Fauntleroy <laughs> on the uh-huh. other hand was like a bona fide phenomenon. <laughs>
0: Just, I can't imagine like was, people going, have you read Little, Little Lord Fauntleroy? Yeah. Like, done it, was, it. So
1: it was it was published to much success in 1884. It was translated into 12 languages. It was a bestseller in the U.S. and England. It helped to establish both her reputation as a writer and as a children's author um, there was a play version of it that did just as well financially as the book did. There was a, like a case over the rights to the play version. Cool. Which set like British copyright precedent in oh, uh,
0: 1911.
1: That's cool. Um, And yeah, it was it was this thing where she it was published first as as like a serialized thing in a in a magazine called St. Nicholas. Okay, And readers were like they were looking forward to those new installments. Um, Velvet Fauntleroy suits were sold at the day and there were there was other merchandise, including velvet collars, playing cards and chocolates. Um, This is because sentimental fiction was very popular and rags to riches stories have always been very popular in the United States. That's true. Um, So, yeah, lots of lots of Fauntleroy heads.
0: (laughs) Fauntleroy heads. Fauntleroy's. Faunt, Fauntleroy's. Fauntler boys You found it. There it is.
1: In in the late <laughs> in
0: the late
1: 19th century now into the early 20th century. Now, unfortunately, and we may read it for the show, but unfortunately, Little Lord Fauntleroy has not retained the popularity that he had Apparently not
0: in his day. I was surprised to find that she had uh, an American connection. I didn't know that about her when I went into this book, because I know it's a British book about British things um and yeah she
1: for for most of her life she i mean she was born in uh where is she born in manchester yeah or born Division in manchester? Um, manchester england and her dad died at a pretty uh, she uh, when was she was, was fairly young old. three yeah, years she was three yeah. years old she was the middle of five children and when her mother was pregnant with the fifth child um her dad died and so that that put them in pretty precarious financial straits so her mom ran the the Family ironmongering business for a yep, little while, like you do. While her, yeah, while her grandmother raised her, and then eventually, like it got so bad that they um, took her mom's brother's, like they took him up on an invitation to move to Nashville, Tennessee, in the U.S. And from Knox, there, Knoxville,
0: yeah, Tennessee. I was think. it Knoxville? I think it was Johnny Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, da, 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 da. which Knoxville. they yes. which they moved to because the American Civil Knoxville. War destroyed their like the cotton economy of that town. And so all sorts of people had to leave town. It was bad. Yeah. So
1: that's a fun. Yeah. Yeah. So the civil war destroyed the, the cotton economy in the town that she was from. And then she moved to this, this town to be taken care of by her uncle, and then the end of the civil war put his like little trading post to an end and he couldn't support the family after that. What so, were we
0: doing? Yeah,
1: lots of lots of financial problems and then like at a at a very young age like before she was even 18 she started getting uh pieces published in various magazines and from like from the age of 17 or 18 she was a working writer pretty much her entire life. Like yeah. she was First providing for her like nuclear family, and then after she got married and started having her own kids, like she was the primary breadwinner for her you know the family yeah that she, made she married
0: a a guy who later became a doctor named Swan Burnett, uh, which is a pretty cool name uh after her mom died and then they moved to Paris where they had two kids eventually moved back to uh the states where she had a really you know had this really successful writing career she wrote a yeah poem. to
1: to get <laughs> to finish the thought I had earlier, yeah, she for most of her life she bounced back and forth between yes, b- between Britain and the United States, yes, um, and eventually she, I mean, she did get uh, U.S. citizenship in the early 1900s, and and eventually ended up living out the rest of her life here. But for most of her life, yes, yeah, she would spend she would at least like once a year usually do these transatlantic trips.
0: Well, and in the early. 19 aughts I don't know what they called it back then um she had taken up residence at Matham Hall which is like a pretty large estate in England um she wasn't there continuously like she had like a breakdown at one point and and moved back to the states and spent some time in a sanatorium um she did not stay with Swan Burnett the rest of her life they lost a son to TB and then they got divorced and then uh, she married again, and then divorced that guy, and then was like, yeah, Whatever. there was a
1: it's a lot of it's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Like,
0: oh, there was something. Her, go ahead, go ahead, go go ahead. No, just like she. So she
1: and the and Swan were married for a while, <laughs> but
0: uh, I, like they both
1: they both knew the marriage was ending a while before they got divorced. So like, sure. they arranged for him to live in an apartment that was separate from their house. So that eventually they could get divorced on grounds of like desertion, and so back so back in the day, obviously uh divorce laws was a were it was a lot more stringent than it is today, and so women in particular, I think, needed like really good concrete reasons to be able to get a divorce from anybody. oh, sure, and so their their thing was like, "Oh, legally, he deserted me, and so this is why I am leaving him. Wasn't there an article in the post about it? Yeah so there is this article in the Washington Post that was talking about how she was a new woman. Yeah. And apparently this this was it's a term coined by Sarah Grand and uh, arguably popularized by Henry James. I feel like it was the it's like the millennial of its day. Like there must have been so many hot takes about how like the new woman is ruining like horseshoe sales or something. Like there's just
0: <laughs> Yeah, I I feel, I've heard about new the new woman um with regard there's a play by Shaw called Mrs. Warren's Profession and the new woman is the daughter in that play like she actually do, she doesn't fit into a conventional relationship mold she just kind of wants to go get a job and do her thing yeah um, kind of
1: it it's it's a movement that sort of springs out of the suffrage movement yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um it's it's basically new women are educated independent career women who um push back on on the constraints of of the patriarchy by daring to get jobs <laughs> and financially support themselves. Huh. So I've got to, I've got to imagine that a lot of these new women like like Burnett wrote pretty much her entire adult life and it seemed like a lot of it was out of necessity, right? Like she was just surrounded yeah, by these yeah. people who could not provide for her and her family and so she was like, "All right, I'm going to do it.
0: Get out of the way, losers." Weird weird how then a bunch <laughs> of people who were upset about it like labeled her years after the fact and we're like Mm -hmm. how dare you make that choice new woman Mm -hmm. you new woman you new woman
1: new women are (laughs) ruining our way of life i'm gonna write a a, (laughs) back when slate was a was a magazine (laughs) i
0: was gonna write a slate pitch she did live in the dc area so um the secret garden was published in 1910 serially through um what was it called was it called the american magazine what was it called I don't know. I didn't see that one. Mm, me neither. And it was it was written. The, no, it was called the American Magazine. I doubted it. I thought I'd had my notes wrong. It's definitely that's a. Dumb yeah, surely
1: it can't be called that. Surely <laughs> and then was, you meant to write an American Magazine. Sure, and
0: then it was collected into a, a published copy in 1911.
1: Um, that's a, that's kind of a ingenious way to double dip for a lot of these old timey writers. Heck like yeah. do a do a serialized magazine article first, and then like. Fifty Shades of Grey style, like turn it into (laughs) turn your fan fiction, whatever, into a book.
0: And there's been like a boatload of adaptations of this story. Um, As you noted, copyright things earlier, like the copyright ran out on it in the 80s, I think. So now it's in public domain. Um, But even before then, there had been like movies dating back to 1919. There were serial TV versions in the 60s and 70s uh francis ford coppola produced a version in in the 90s and in 91 there's a musical version that gets made which like i think somebody just did here in philly recently like that's been around the block um mm-hmm. it's a it's a popular story that people are familiar with and 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 enjoy i suppose yeah
1: more more staying power than little lord Fauntleroy. <laughs> Which, the poor the poor guy, the poor little Lord, the poor little guy, what a cute little guy he is, I guess the the last thing we should mention, and we alluded to this earlier when you mentioned that she had uh she was in a sanatorium for a while. She did wrestle with exhaustion and depression for yeah. most of her life, like stemming both from how hard she made herself work, like especially early in her career she was just writing constantly
0: and i don't think she had a, um, as much of a formal education as you might think right like
1: no she like she attended this thing called a dame school which is not as cool as this <laughs> sounds. um dame schools ran the gamut from like glorified daycare to like, like just learning school. the very yeah. yeah just learning the not even that just like learning the very basics of like reading and a lot of the time's not even like math and these these schools started to disappear and eventually did disappear after um England passed laws about you know like the the minimum qu- quality of education oh <laughs> like reasonable after after they started shutting down schools that did not meet did not meet like a minimum levels of schooliness a lot of the dame schools went away but yeah that's the that's the kind of of education she had and like a lot of the writers who we talk about from this era like. Her love of writing comes from a love of reading, which is something that her grandmother like instilled yeah, in her. Yeah. And she liked to tell stories to her cousins and her friends and her mother when she was a she was a child. And yeah, like a little lo- just she's a she's a storyteller and she had been a storyteller for a very long time, like even before
0: she was published. Self made woman. Self made new woman. A new was. woman. But
1: yeah, she especially after her oldest son died. Yeah. Um, that like it, 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 it she was depressed for a while. Like she questioned her religion. It, it was just like a big momentous change in her life and her outlook. And yeah, I kind of exasperate yeah. exacerbated some some depressive tendencies that had already been there.
0: So yeah, and I, I ooh. Hold on to that when we get into this book, because I'm holding on to it. I'll be interested to to see if any of it feels relevant. Um, Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about the secret garden. Okay. Andrew, I need your help. Uh, Okay, I mean, (laughs) I'm ready to make my next move as not Craig. Getting, I need to start over. My identity has been stolen Mm -hmm. and I think it's gone
1: now. Don't hold on to it. Just let it go.
0: My name is Stephen Fauntleroy and I need (laughs) to launch an identity website so that people know who I am. Mm -hmm. I need to create a whole identity and put it up on the web.
1: Redefine that personal brand.
0: How how should I do this? Help me.
1: I think the best way for you to do this is probably Squarespace. Like probably (laughs) it's Squarespace.
0: But Okay, but Stephen Fauntleroy doesn't know what Squarespace is. He was just born this minute, so you need to help him out.
1: <laughs> all right, well, Squarespace is a website that helps you make websites. They give you beautiful, award-winning designer templates, and they're an all-in-one platform that uh, lets you create a website where you don't need to install or patch or upgrade anything. Oh, that's good. Nothing. They do it all for you. Okay, cool.
0: Little, Can I, little if, baby Stephen Fauntleroy. If I have... Uh, like trouble with my website what do i do
1: um they've got award-winning 24 7 customer service awesome that uh you you can you can bother them instead of bothering me
0: that sounds good which i
1: would appreciate <laughs> and they also give you a, a domain when you sign up it's super super simple um so if you want to want to be like stephen com, that can <laughs> you can do that Um, And if you ever like once you've established your brand, once you decide the kind of thing you want to do, you can set up like an e-commerce site. Oh, sweet. Um, Even if your if your identity hasn't been stolen, you just want to make like a wedding website or a website for your cool book podcast. Like Squarespace lets you do all that stuff. It's used by a wide range of creatives, people and businesses. Uh, That's musicians, designers, artists, restaurants and more. It lets you do a lot of different kinds of stuff
0: sweet that sounds like a great deal for me Stephen Fauntleroy (laughs) so what what next
1: right, Stephen if you are interested in this amazing offer you can start your free trial today at squarespace.com enter offer code overdue to get 10% off your first purchase so that's the templates it's the all in one platform it's the customer service it's the domains it's everything squarespace.com offer code overdue Squarespace um, make your next move
0: so andrew we were talking earlier about the fact Wait, who
1: is this who's talking to me right now
0: this is craig i got my my identity back <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay good i'm glad
0: during the break i talked to my bank they assured me everything's fine okay good um i was it was touching go for a minute <laughs> i know it, was, it really was um, one of the things that I noticed the second I fired up this book and I say fired up cause I purchased it on a Kindle <laughs> and, <laughs> okay, sure. um, that then I learned it was like written serially and I was like, huh, okay. The chapter titles are kind of boss. Like there are some pretty good chapter titles and I don't e- I didn't even know what was going on in this book. Can and you I'm, hit,
1: hit me with some of
0: them? Okay. Chapter one, mm-hmm. there is no one left. Okay pretty bleak who's pretty who, that's a really strong happen? do you think that she wrote that before she wrote the contents of the chapter <laughs> that would be pretty dope we'll <laughs> find out uh chapter six and this is in quotes there was someone crying there was okay pretty good okay. uh i i'm partial it's to... very grabby like you're you're there someone <laughs> yeah. is crying i'm partial what do you do about it chapter
1: 12 might i have a bit of earth that's a classic, like Little Lord Fauntleroyism. Just like a, a cool callback to one of her earlier
0: works. Sure, I think. sure. And follow that with Chapter Thirteen: "I Am Colin," which she oh. left off "Hear Me Roar," but I know what she was going for.
1: <laughs> so are that like are those are those pull quotes or something like from some, the from the chapter? Yeah, or? some
0: of them are pull quotes, like uh, Chapter Twenty: "I Shall Live Forever and Ever and Ever." Um. Some do you think this is the
1: kind of thing where if you were assigned this book in school, you could just read the chapter title and then like, go in and be like, oh, yeah, this is the one with Colin in it?
0: Well, yeah, except for like chapter four is just called Martha. And so you wouldn't know anything about Martha. You'd just know that she was important. That
1: there was Martha.
0: Martha exists in this Martha book. is. <laughs> I do. What I will say is I, I just found enjoyable the uh, the quotation mark chapters in particular just because it feels a little goofy they feel out Mm -hmm. of context um they're memorable quotes i am colin is kind of goofy i'm not quite sure why she chose that one but it's good (laughs) uh so let me just hit you with the opening of this book and then uh we'll, we'll dive in here Okay. Um, This is a quote direct from the book. When Mary Lennox was sent to Misselthwaite Manor to live with her uncle, everybody said she was the most disagreeable-looking child ever seen. It was true, too. She had a little thin face and a little thin body, thin light hair, and a sour expression. Her hair was yellow, and her face was yellow because she had been born in India and had always been ill in one way or another, We'll get back. Okay. I'll explain. I was, that in a, a, sec- I was a little, a exp-
1: little worried about where that was going. <laughs> I'll explain that minute. in a
0: second. Uh, oh boy, by the time she was six, she was as tyrannical and selfish a little pig as ever lived. So this is your main character.
1: <laughs> good, good. It's always good to to create like a an antihero. I hear that's that's all the rage these days.
0: <laughs> and it's worth noting that the narrator is this like disembodied, clearly judgmental voice. <laughs> uh who has very strong opinions about people and and even in this first passage uh sets up this idea that your physical appearance or your physical well-being is incredibly reflective of your inner self and your yeah. the, the quality of person that you are yeah
1: i i don't i don't think that's a that's a uncommon conclusion to jump to in a lot of different stories or even like belief systems. <laughs> oh,
0: for sure. And what's, what's interesting is you throughout the book, like, uh, th- it's not classical idea. It, it's defies some easy examples of like what is good and what is bad, especially in like 21st century pop culture or, or you know, fashion culture or whatever. Right. How, how like, do you mean in the sense that like you're talking about a 10 year old girl and like everyone's excited that she is like putting on weight. Now in the context of the book and in the context of a turn of the century novel, you're talking about her being healthier and like et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, but like
1: in the context of like twenty seventeen, she just on, she's on her Tumblr, like talking about how thick she is with the Oh, that's no a K. good.
0: Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I think we might be turning a corner.
1: Yeah, no, we're it's come back around. I think the nineteen eighties was the height of the
0: of like of, of the th- cocaine nothing diets? tastes yeah. as
1: good as thin feels thing. Ew! Oh, I think now you God. now you get on Tumblr and it's all about body positivity, which is great. That's true. I am positive about body
0: positivity. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think it's as this book does not contain outright body positivity as much as it's like you're a bad person and your appearance reflects it. <laughs> like okay, you are sure. you are a run of a kid who everybody hates. You must and be it deficient shows, in some way. Yeah. Well, and it shows you must in your face. Steal people's credit cards and go juggy cheese <laughs> with them. So she is living in India. She's born to two British parents. They're very wealthy and they don't care for her at all. They just like pay people <laughs> to watch. They pay people to like watch her and she spends all her time like inside like complaining how hot it is and not liking anybody. Same. Um. <laughs> so then there's this crazy cholera epidemic that kills basically everyone in the house and initially people are starting to get starting to get sick and she this is this will tell you how bad mary is she uh she's thinking that when people had the cholera it seemed that they remembered nothing but themselves so how dare they think of themselves and not her when their bodies are full of cholera how dare they
1: yeah, I mean, I I when I get a cold, I just I really it's it's really nice when people just take care of me. And by people, I guess I mean, Susanna. In this yeah, context. I'm the but,
0: same way, but I don't I don't get like how when Laura gets sick, I don't be like, how dare she be like obsessed with how sick she is.
1: I don't I don't do that either. But it's because like once when Susanna got sick, like pretty early <laughs> into our living with each other, I was like, well, you better not get me sick. <laughs> And I was informed that that was not the right way to respond to your partner telling you that they're sick. It
0: most certainly is not. So, <laughs> no. her entire family dies, and uh, no one is there to take care of her. They find nothing, her. Nothing,
1: al- nothing of value was lost. It sounds like. <laughs>
0: well, and there's a there's a quote where she's uh, the narrator's like she wasn't really broken up about it. She was six and didn't really know her mom. So off she goes. And they take her to like an English clergyman's house and a bunch of kids make fun of her for being mean and, and being kinda like stuck up and a brat. Um they sing the nursery rhyme Mary Mary quite contrary to her. Okay. I don't, I don't know if that's one that you know.
1: Sick burn. Yeah. Is the
0: is that the how does your garden grow? Correct, correct.
1: It snips and snails and wait, S- how's it go?
0: Silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row.
1: Okay, so I don't like and how is that a burn though? Like, how is that?
0: <laughs> I don't I don't really know what's up with silver bells and cockle shells, but I think the idea is that like she's so contrary. Like, how does she? How does she manage to do this? I don't really know.
1: Okay, I mean, people got better at burns I as think they like, technology improved. <laughs> I think.
0: So after she's living with these clergymen and these kids, uh, drop some sick burns on her. She gets sent to live with her <laughs> uncle as I alluded to earlier, at Misselthwaite Manor. And her uncle is Archibald Craven. And (laughs) (laughs) he is a hunchback who lives in a giant house with like a hundred different rooms in it. And like, it seems like four people work there. Like not a lot of people work there. And she is meant to just like live there in a room by herself. He doesn't want to hire a governess for her. He doesn't want to hire a nanny for her. He's kind of inconvenienced by the whole situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've already got four people in that house like how are none of them teachers?
0: I don't <laughs> There's there's Martha who's a maid. I think there's a cook. There's Mrs. Medlock, I think is her name. Mrs. Yeah, Mrs. Medlock. Um there's I think his aide and then like one or two people drop through every once in once in a while. Um <sighs> So she's like all by herself just in this house and Mhm. And she doesn't really like it there. It it's on a moor like a like a swampy marsh moor and she thinks it's gross and dumb and hates it cuz also she hates the outside. As we Is as, she like
1: some kind of 19th century Daria like why <laughs> she hates everything. Ex- except
0: she's like 8 so she's not She's like nine. Sorry. So she's not even like like uh, she's actively upset about all of it. Oh, OK, 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 OK. Um, she
1: hasn't learned to cloak it all under a layer of leather jacket and irony yet. Correct. She's not sure.
0: listening to the cure yet. Yes. Yet. Yet. Um, She at one point, the narrator says that she's very disagreeable. But of course, she doesn't know she's disagreeable. She just thinks other people are. That should, again, that's why Mary kind (laughs) of stinks. Now, she does take a liking, eventually, she takes a liking to Martha, and Martha is this, like, Yorkshire uh, maid whose mom and, like, 11 siblings, like, live over the moor or whatever, and she speaks in a funny accent that Mary's never heard before that reminds her of, like, the people that used to work for her in India, and Martha just loves going outside and playing and and, like her whole job is to convince Mary to like go outside and play and she also tells Mary the backstory of this like house that she's living in where Archibald Craven is never really there and 10 years ago his wife died in a garden, a rose garden that she used to go to all the time that was a private secret garden ooh, we have a title we have a title And Mrs. Craven, like, was on a branch trimming some rose bushes, and uh, it fell and she died. And (sighs) Mr. Craven got so sad that he's locked up the garden and buried the key in the ground, and no one knows where it is. Just Archibald
1: Craven (laughs) sounds like the name of, like, some VeggieTales character or something. Like, what's that?
0: (laughs) It's just Despicable Me, right? Like, that's... Is that guy's real name Archibald Craven?
1: I think, yeah, 100%. It's absolutely Archibald Craven.
0: Okay. Minion, minion, quite quotidian. How does your garden grow?
1: <laughs> Banana.
0: <laughs> so, Andrew, when you were a kid, so this, this becomes the obsession of Mary. She's going to find out where the secret garden is. She doesn't want to tell anyone about it. She wants to hang out there by herself. Sure. When you were a kid, did you have a place... That you, and I'll say even maybe with friends, that you liked to go to that was like no adults allowed or was like your getaway spot?
1: So this is like, this is Uh probably a longer story. Uh oh. All right. So when we, my mom and dad were from Ohio, my dad was in the Air Force. We moved around for a long time. And then around when I was 10, we moved back to Ohio. Um, And we lived for a few years in this, like, crappy, like, rented house. Mm -hmm. And for a little while behind it was, like, this little wooded area, but then it got, like, bulldozed so there could be a field there. Mm -hmm. And so there was this, like, they plowed all the trees and stuff into this big pile, like, off to the side of the field. (laughs) And just the way, like because when you plow a bunch of trees and dirt into a pile like it, it can make some like natural like caverns and like a shire, yes. and things basically and so like there was there was that and then some like furniture that my like aunt and uncle had thrown out and they'd thrown in that like pile of stuff because it was okay. just like a general purpose uh-huh like crap pile crap at this pile, point crap pile yep uh-huh yeah, and so my cousin Randy and I who we, are, we don't talk now um and my brother and sister would like go back there and we would take the thrown out furniture and we like arranged it in a little like cops. <laughs> <laughs> and that sometimes rules. and sometimes I'd go back there and like sit on the crappy like increasingly bug eaten furniture and I like read hang. a book. It was yeah. like a little cl- little little clubhouse. That's- back there in the in the pile of t- <laughs> pile of
0: trees. That's pretty good. I was going to talk about the weird little like not quite tree fort, but like little room that we built out of logs in my friend's backyard, where we also found a dirty magazine once. Um, Ooh,
1: nice! That's a classic coming of age story.
0: It's well, it's not as <laughs> hey, it's not as good as you think because it was all letters. It was like penthouse light, like it wasn't. There were oh. no pictures. It was like people sharing first time stories and man, you like know.
1: Pixar Pixar GCFO. I'm I right? Know. I'm but like, there
0: on. there was a field behind my friend's house that was get it was getting turned into a housing development and we used to run around that field all the time so we decided to sneak out at night and uh like mess with the construction sites okay. by like moving all of their boundary markers around to like mess with their measurements wow i don't Funny. think i don't think it really Delayed construction that much because all those houses went up real quick.
1: <laughs> I do, I do hope that there are some new homeowners who are just bothered by tiny pernicious <laughs> problems. Why does the condos. bathroom door
0: always hit the refrigerator? It doesn't <laughs> yeah. make any sense. <laughs> Neighbor kids. So this appreciation of like your own space and the outdoors also is kind of related. To this book, so like Mary, as yeah, like she's my, like my tree pile, floor. like your tree pile in my magazine room. Um, <laughs> Mary uh gets pretty close to Martha actually, and she learns to like her, and she uh develops. She starts to share Martha's affinity for the outdoors, um, because Martha's like go out there, run around, be a kid, like get into trouble, like play in the, play in the yard, and she starts putting on weight. She starts like having an appetite to eat like weird pudding and stuff. Um she meets an old man whose name is Ben Weatherstaff, and I just kept envisioning him as the creepy old man from Home Alone, so you can do the same. He like works in in the garden. Um and
1: are we talking like before Kevin McAllister finds out that he has a heart of gold or after?
0: Uh he runs the gamut. Like she's like not sure. She likes him, but she's wary of him, and then he becomes a good character at the end of the book. Okay, cool. Um and she does get to meet Martha's Uh, younger brother Dickon yep Um, Dickon who is a 12 year old boy who is an animal charmer we meet him under a tree playing a pipe with a squirrel a pheasant and two rabbits just like hanging out Later, he's carrying squirrels in his pockets, a crow on his shoulder, and a baby fox is walking around behind him. So, like, Dickens, pretty cool, I think.
1: It sounds like he's a Pokemon master. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds
0: like he's trying to catch them all. And he becomes Mary's, like, fast friend. He, like, shows her at a garden a little bit. And she is so taken with him that she tells him about the secret garden. She (gasps) tells him about the red-breasted robin that like led her to the entrance by chance. I think the robin like understands English sort of. It's unclear. Um well, the now, book... he's
1: gonna, now he's going to now he's going to catch the robin. You're I know. Never going to see him again.
0: Um and then she like finds the key to the door to the secret garden like in the earth because the robin helps her out. So she and Dickon are uh that's how it's spelled Dickon, Dickon. Um they are Stop. <laughs> Stop. Digging in the garden and like she likes it. She's hanging out. She's like weeding and it's cool. It's like when you play Harvest Moon for the first time and you're like, who knew that menial tasks could be so fun? Who knew
1: that repetitive manual labor could feel so
0: (laughs) And And there is this sense that, and this is like one of the broader themes of the book, that like she goes into this garden that no one's supposed to have been in in 10 years and uh, Dickon comes in. He's like, no, no, no. I don't think it's all dead yet. If we just like pay attention to it and we take care of it it'll get beautiful uh so they like are prepping the garden and treating it nice and then by the time spring rolls around it starts to get really pretty and this is like paralleling mary's growth as a young girl who like as she stops thinking that people are awful and starts like investing in them she also starts to become like a good person sort of yeah finally finally am i right Mm-hmm. Um, the the book takes a huge turn when she starts exploring the house and she's hearing these like cries and i got really excited i thought it was maybe gonna be a ghost book for a second um it's not archibald craven has a son named colin who thinks he has a hundred. colin craven colin craven master colin craven um he was born when Mrs. Craven died from falling out of the rose tree, which you didn't know before in the book. And Mr. Craven was so upset about his wife dying that he could barely stand to look at his son ever again. And everyone sort of thinks that Colin's going to be a hunchback like his dad and that he's going to, like, die early. And he's basically internalized that. Imagine spending the first 10 years of your life, Andrew, in a bed, basically. Okay, okay. And everyone just kind of low level intimating that you're gonna die, cause your body is weak.
1: So probably you come to believe them and just you think you you start to live your life as though you are going to die.
0: Yeah, he's sort of like
1: it's like some would say you live like you're dying.
0: No, this yeah, but not in the cool way, not in not the in the Bon Jovi way or whatever you're thinking of. Um, I
1: don't think it's. Bon Jovi, it's Tim McGraw, <laughs> BT Dubs. The cu- the country music version of Bon Jovi. Colin bon- is
0: <laughs> Co- <laughs> Colin is basically Cameron from Ferris Bueller but younger and meaner. Like he just okay. assumes he's going to die from natural causes cuz cause he's unnatural. And the th- the problem is that everybody in the house has to obey what he wants. So he bosses them around, he throws big tantrums, and that's when she hears him crying in the middle of the night. Somehow, because she also sort of sucks as a person and is blunt and mean to people, um, they strike up a friendship. And she she starts telling him about the outside world. She starts seeing this like interesting boy that can be healed. Now, she, she, they're cousins, so there's not like a romance thing happening. Um,
1: I mean, I don't think you can assume that of cousins back in the in the late no,
0: 1800s. The, but it's not... The, she's young enough that the book never really makes that leap. It, not, none of That's these fine. boys That's fine. Like, yeah
1: Yeah, I, I didn't... My understanding was not that this was like a young adult, like coming of age thing. It's pretty no. thoroughly like a children's story.
0: Yeah. And so, like... The rest of the book I found focused a little bit too much on Colin, actually. Like the closest thing to real conflict, I think, that happens in the book is this like pivotal scene where Colin is upset in the middle of the night, he's throwing a temper tantrum, mostly because Mary spent the whole day gardening with Dickon. And she had God, how dare she <laughs> I know. And she had planned to come and tell him about it and tell him about Dickens' cool Pokemon friends and stuff. But he got really upset. And so she just comes in and like the nurse is like, you got to come. He likes you like you got to come talk to him. And she just yells at him for five minutes. And then they're <laughs> friends again. Um, and then like the rest of the story is she like invites him into the crew that goes into the secret garden every day. um, And he starts to like become a human again uh he starts walking around like his much his muscles have atrophied and so he's in this garden like slowly starting to become like a real boy again okay um and, and there- i don't i
1: don't think that's a totally uncommon trope where like somebody goes out into into nature and starts just living life. And by virtue of, of doing that, they become like just believing that they can do that. They become capable of doing that.
0: Yeah. And the, the again, this idea of rejuvenation and, and if something, the quote I pulled that comes later in the book, uh, when you tend to rose, a thistle cannot grow. Um, which is like, don't invest in ba- it. Like if you invest in good things, it'll yield good things. Right. Um, sure. And this idea that, like, by Dickon and Mary spending every day, like, helping him get strong and helping him do work. At one point, Dickon goes into town and talks to, like, a bodybuilder or the early 20th century equivalent of a bodybuilder who, I guess, like, teaches him how to do push-ups in the middle of a store. <laughs> and then Dickon comes back to the secret garden. It's like, yo, I learned how to do all these push-ups and calisthenics. Like, let's let's work out, I guess. Uh, I, I
1: think that's I think that's like taking the free session with the personal trainer that you get at the gym and then going back home being like, yeah, I'm totally I'm totally buff now.
0: Well, and not that just I understand.
1: That. So I understand so much about health and my body.
0: Yep. So they all get swollen in the secret garden um, and they have to invite at one point to get caught by the Home Alone guy but they realize that he's just very excited to see Master Colin like getting healthy again so they invite him into their crew and towards the end of the book like power of positive thinking their their the secret the secret they're talking about this thing called they talk about magic in the book a the lot. gathering i wish oh man tap two magic to grow rosebush they
1: went into the secret garden and they just played <laughs> Like Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and all the cool like TCGs.
0: <laughs> TCGs? Yeah. Not CCGs? No, trading card games. Collectible card games?
1: If I th- I've i seen Ooh. TCG more often. Is this a I'm gonna, regional right, thing? I'm, I'm doing a Google fight. I'm doing TCG versus CG. CG <laughs> 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 um, all right. So TCG has 35,000. Wait. Thirty-five million nine hundred thousand results, and CCG has eighteen million nine hundred thousand results. Okay, you win. All right, TCG is. This is how we would solve like terminology questions at the college newspaper. Sure, to just Google fight them and see which one was more. Oh, that's cool. Okay,
0: that's the thing I learned today. Anyway,
1: so they're back there playing Magic
0: cards. They're back there playing Magic cards. What they're actually doing is turning Colin into some sort of self-help guru. So Uh he, they're they've talked about magic in this like something that is beyond human experience and it's related to the way that the flowers grow and the way that spring can change the world around you and the way that that can mirror your own ability to change within yourself there's a section where they're more directly referencing uh church and christian religion where uh dickon sings like a song uh he sings the doxology um like I don't remember exactly how that goes, but he sings it and Colin's like, I've never heard that before because I was too sick to go to church. Sing it again. And they all like have a great moment um, singing this hymn together. And then Mary at one point is just like chanting, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, while uh, Colin is getting better at walking. And he thinks that it was like an incantation that made him better. So he starts holding like daily lectures on the magic in quotes Okay. And he plans to like grow up and like write books about it. So here's one of his like here's what he says. The magic works best when you work yourself. You can feel it in your bones and muscles. I'm going to read books about bones and muscles, but I'm going to write a book about magic. I'm making it out I'm making it up now. I keep finding out things. So he's like a self-help guru who recognizes that he himself has room to grow.
1: Okay. I mean that's yeah, that's I think that's good. I think that I think I would be more inclined to take advice from somebody who recognizes that, like you're never you're never done growing. That's true. Never you don't you don't know everything.
0: Flowers bloom every year, man. They're not around all year (laughs) long. Stupid! You gotta you gotta plant the bulbs so they grow each year. But you do gotta prune them. You gotta keep them keep them wet and in the sun. Yep. That's
1: how. (laughs) That's. My, oh my green God. thumb tip for the day just so- keep keep them plants wet
0: <laughs> so the i'm book-
1: i'm craig kidding i'm a botanist book- you got keep you want them plants to grow you gotta keep them wet
0: well craig getting from texas might be very different i don't know he's down there right tending to secret gardens inside of the <laughs> chuck e cheese
1: inside the charles entertainment cheese so establishment.
0: the book wraps up and we'll we'll get to some kind of overarching themes, Andrew, as we, as we wrap up here. Um, yeah, his, we got wrap up soon. Yeah, Colin's dad, who is so sad about his hunchback and about his dead wife and his presumably hunchback son, who isn't actually a hunchback, um, he is traipsing around Europe basically just to escape his problems. And he has like a dream that his wife says, like, "Go back to the garden," and he heads home, and as he's like looking for his kid who he can't find uh who has been wheelchair bound or bed bound his entire life like runs out of the secret garden which not so secret anymore dude good work and like bumps into his dad and they hug and then like everyone at the whole house is like oh my god this is crazy <laughs> uh and everyone's really happy and then like the book ends and, and i and i it, i haven't really talked about like Bad guys or obstacles or real challenges in this book, because there are very few overt ones there like I
1: mean it sounds like to to the extent that there is an antagonist at all, it's just like somebody like people becoming adults or growing up or something it's like yeah. a, a more of an internal sort of conflict or development or something
0: yeah, and that you're you're stunting your own growth both literally and figuratively. If you are not like if letting yourself be one with the world around you or you know see people for who they are and sure. relate to them um the closest thing to like bad guys are Mrs. Medlock, who's the housekeeper, she's not really mean, but she just doesn't really care to like deal with the kids nonsense as I said before, and then um Dr. Craven, not Archibald, but his cousin. Dr Craven, his
1: cousin the mad scientist <laughs> Dr Craven,
0: <laughs> who if Colin were to die, he would inherit the house. He's basically like Scar from The Lion King. Um if Colin dies, Dr Craven gets this wonderful estate. So like there is this like low level uh feeling that he doesn't necessarily want Colin to get better. But he never like does anything nefarious. He's just like a thing that they have to when they're keeping it secret that Colin's getting better, they have to keep it secret from him. Um, so that's why he's around. Okay. Um, I also think it's interesting, Andrew, that books about going outside and playing in nature and how that's better for you than sitting inside and reading books are inherently hypocritical. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I think the the assumption is that the book's not going to last forever, right? Like if you're gonna, if you're going to take something away from it. Let it be that you should go outside and enjoy the world. Yeah, but also like you can't—you can't be just like reading this particular book this whole time.
0: No, this book will end, sure, but I also don't think this book is making the case that this is like the er book, the only book that you need, the uber book. Pick a German prefix. It's mm-hmm. not—it's not saying like I am the only thing you need. Now go run around outside. But it does have this sense of like Colin was just holed up in his room feeling bad about himself reading books and now he's better cuz he plays outside. And like he's pro- I'm not going to disagree with the fact that he's better cuz he plays outside, but like you got to got to cultivate the mind too. Yeah. There is a weird thing where Mary doesn't hasn't done any sort of formal schooling since she moved there and she's like 10 and I'm very worried about her book learning.
1: She got to go to that dame school. Or
0: something Get that dame think. school learning um, And to take us out I just have this I have two quotes About the power of positive thinking In this book And
1: Can we talk about the secret so much That I feel like at some point <laughs> We should just read the secret Wait
0: Oh that's a great idea What
1: We should read what? the secret <laughs> We thought about it, and it it came to us. Oh my God, the secret is real. Oh
0: my God, but
1: w- will Oprah come after us for telling everybody <laughs> about the secret?
0: Oh my God, if we get Oprah on this show, that is the secret, Andrew.
1: That's that is the secret. We are we're we're the book club. now. We are Oprah's
0: book club now. <laughs> so, as I said before, Colin spends his entire life sitting in his bed thinking bad thoughts about himself, and. The book, here's a quote from the book. When new beautiful thoughts began to push out the old hideous ones, life began to come back to him. His blood ran healthily through his veins and strength poured into him like a flood. Now, that quote also applies to Colin's dad when he gets better. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another quote is to let a sad thought or a bad one get into your mind is as dangerous as letting a scarlet fever germ get into your body. If you let it stay there after it has got in you, or after it has got in, you may never get over it as long as you live. And that's the quote that I read. I was like, "Mm."
1: I mean, I get what they're saying, but I also feel like you have less control over what a scarlet fever germ is going (laughs) to do once it's in there.
0: Yeah. And I, I also think that certainly in the context of a children's book, this is a like reductive view of how thoughts work, right? Like reading this book, in the 21st century with, and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this on top of secret garden. Secret garden is not trying to answer to these, to this particular read on it. Um, but I would want to have like this conversation with someone if, if they were reading this book and trying to learn things from it, like um, thinking about like mental health in the 21st century or just understandings of like giving people space for the things that they need. Like, I'm not comfortable with just saying like, if you have bad thoughts, your is gonna fail you. So just have good thoughts. Only grow the good flowers. Yeah,
1: you know? that kinda that's kinda like, well, why are you depressed? Why don't you just like try harder and get over
0: it? Exactly. Like I think that's where the Why don't you
1: tend to your secret garden, nerd?
0: <laughs> I think the metaphor of like if you just like tend to it, it'll grow and flourish. That's it breaks down when like with a mod- with I think modern sensibilities and modern scientific understanding of just like how people are wired shit sure, yeah. it's if you are just looking at it from a like turn of the twentieth century your the food that you eat and the way your face looks it like both inform <laughs> and reflect like your moral character. Like yeah. sure, a garden is a perfect metaphor for that. I suppose.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, this is also an era where people thought that moving somewhere warmer would cure your tuberculosis. So, True. Like, well, we're it's, not. It's not a super sophisticated understanding of of medicine and
0: of of mental disorders. And also, I think similar, but for like something like moving to a warm climate for TB, like for some people, that's gonna work because like maybe you are going to be in a, in a place that does agree with your like biome and the germs in your gut. I don't know about science. Um,
1: yeah. You just keep throwing them words out there. I just, just, keep doing I've just it. got all of them.
0: You're going to get on something eventually. There is something, you know, there's plenty of scenarios where positive thinking or almost kind of like purposeful optimistic self-deceit is really useful and, and very helpful. And self-defeat self-deceit is like a whole other bridge to cross, but like, positivity and and seeing the best in people is a great lesson to take from this book i was very uncomfortable when at the end of this book the author was like yo if you let a bad thought into you that is your fault my friend like you are gonna waste away in a bed like old colin not new cool colin
1: sometimes then bad thoughts just get in there though
0: You t- you can't help it weeds grow out of the ground if it were a little bit more nuanced and it was like yo tend to your weeds Or get a friend to help you tend to your weeds if you can't. (laughs) Like, that is useful to me. Um, But just a, like, why'd you let those weeds in there, idiot? It is not, like, a helpful takeaway. Yeah, like,
1: it's kind of, like... (laughs) Like well, if you didn't want to have weeds, you wouldn't have let them in there in the first <laughs> no. place. Like, what are you talking about? What am I supposed to stand <laughs> in front of my garden with like a tennis racket and just bat all the weed spores away? Like what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah, you let that scarlet fever weed get in now you're screwed.
1: Ugh, not again.
0: uh so not, we'll, like this. <laughs> not like this. um, but it's a cool <laughs> book i it, what i' I'm, I'm gonna just say overall impression is that it's a pretty easy read and not just from a like the language is not particularly easy but it's like even keeled as i said there's not a lot of super like adventurous conflict or anything like that so you're kind of just humming along through the book the whole way which is a refreshing change of pace also
1: it's not not there and back again so much as it is just like you're there and you're just discovering things about there yes
0: and i wonder too if that is a product of it being serialized in some way like there are many arcs to conversations and moments that are interesting but like overall the rhythm is very similar throughout the whole book um and then just real quick i want to share struck me funny andrew um here's a good idiom for you i love idioms so uh this is the home alone grandpa ben weatherstaff and he is (laughs) talking about a bird He's talking about the Red Robin that Mary becomes friends with, and he says, um, "There's nothing he wouldn't do for the sake of showing off and flirting his tail feathers. He's as full of pride as an eggs full of meat." What? He's as full o pride as an eggs full o meat.
1: There's a so we every Thursday we and some of our friends go and we do bar trivia. Uh at this place in philadelphia Uh and they have this amazing fried chicken sandwich that has an egg cracked over it yeah and every time i get it i just think about the like the macabre nature (laughs) of like having a chicken sandwich with like a proto chicken cracked open over it like america's our excess is just wonderful and shameful and just, yeah. We should we should be ashamed, but it's a good sandwich.
0: I love cracking open an egg and just when meat falls out of it. It's just delicious. That's a
1: cool, yeah, that's a cool prize. Thanks. I mean, a Cad- <laughs> I feel like Cadbury needs to stick to its strengths personally, but. <laughs> Salt and I, sweet like, go together, man. They're like, they're diversifying into Cadbury beef eggs. Yeah, is, what if you just
0: bit into a Cadbury egg and there was just a meatball inside? There was just roast beef in there. Oh, sign me up.
1: Yeah, Cadbury and Arby's have teamed up to bring two great tastes together.
0: Gross. <laughs> Tell us which brands you want to have shove meat into eggs. Um, find us online at facebook.com slash or twitter.com slash overdue pod uh you can write us the email too at overdue pod at gmail.com i got a list of folks here starfish chick francesca bookman's renata Alyssa, grace katherine katie librarian of snark dave nikki deanna leanne Brittany, jordan ashley carolyn or caroline i don't know cheyenne and robert thanks so much everybody for reaching out andrew folks want to know more about the show where should they go
1: overduepodcast.com is our website. We have up there links to iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and RSS. Those are all ways you can subscribe to the show and get new episodes when they drop every Monday. Um, you should also hit up uh, Spreaker, our podcast host, HeadGum, our podcast network. You should hit up our new listener page. You should click on the Amazon links on our homepage and you read along with us. You buy those books. We get a little bit of a cut of that and it helps support the show. Um you should visit our Patreon page which you can find also at overduepodcast.com. Um is there I don't know is there anything else? Like what am I reading next week? What are you reading next week? I think you're reading The Last Days of Summer. I am reading The Last Days of Summer even though we're like still like pretty much in the middle of summer, not the first days, but like the middle days.
0: Well this will get us ready for when summer ends.
1: It's true. It's it's good to be prepared.
0: I like being prepared.
1: Yeah, same. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And until next Monday, try to be happy.
0: That was a headgum podcast.